Good morning. Just to clarify, I'm not the pastor here. I'm the missionary. And not just me, but my wife, I'm Peter, by the way, and my wife, Patty, and our son, David, who is our second-generation missionary. And um, we travel a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many uh, airplane flights we've flown in over the years, but it's probably in the hundreds. And uh, these days, we're more careful. So if you see us with masks on, it's because we're trying to protect you. <laughs> we just don't know how things are going with COVID these days. Um, but I'm glad to leave it off up here. <laughs> now, I'm a detailed kind of, kind of guy. Back in 1984, I got this piece of paper from the Reformed Church office, one of them, and I've kept it all this time. This paper says that North Holland Reformed Church initiated a commitment to support us as missionaries, and it's dated 1984. Wow. That was just two years after we went out as missionaries, so we're celebrating now 40 years as we uh, look to retirement. And I keep track of who all the pastors are, a few crossed out and <laughs> as time has gone on, and all our visits. Look at that. Look at all the details. This this is visit number 12. Can you believe it? Wow, we've been with you all this time. You have been with us all this time. And we just really want to thank you for that. We'll share a little bit more about our journey. But first, let's turn to our scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of, of faith. You might have noticed that uh, the theme of uh, the songs have been on faith and God's faithfulness. That's what we're talking about this morning. I'm reading from the New International Version, but I'm uh, using the uh, updated version, which I think has been updated from the ones that you have in the pews. So when we come to verse 11, you'll see that there's a bit more emphasis on Sarah rather than Abraham, and that's intentional. It's a better uh, exegesis of the passage. Anyway, let's start with verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and, the, and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them 
and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have come to this place of worship to rest for a moment on the journey of life that you have laid out before us. May we find encouragement as we recognize your faithfulness in the past and strength as we perceive the challenges ahead. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We often characterize life as a journey. After all, just like a journey, an individual life has a beginning and an end, and in between those two points, we travel through time, experiencing along the way various twists and turns, ups and downs. Sometimes we find smooth sailing, and sometimes formidable obstacles. Now, as Christians, we know that a major part of this life pilgrimage is a spiritual journey in which we grow as disciples of Christ, and we look to our Lord for guidance and wisdom while navigating the changes that come our way. Our dependence on God becomes most important when we face certain major transitions in life, such as a big change regarding our employment or health. It's, it's especially during these times when we must affirm again that God walks with us along the journey, providing support to us through family connections, the counsel and advice of friends, a special passage of scripture, or perhaps a miraculous moment that just happens to occur. Well, as I've kind of intimated, Patty and I are now facing such a transition. We have recently concluded 40 years of ministry in the Reformed Church as missionaries in the Middle East and Africa. And we've returned to the U.S. in order to enter a new phase of life that, well, they call it retirement. <laughs> We're still kind of uncertain as to what to expect, what kind of activities we'll get involved in, or what challenges we might yet face. So as we look ahead to this unknown part of the journey, we've often found it helpful also to look in the past and see how God has been faithful thus far throughout our journey. Abraham and Sarah also experienced a journey of life that was both physical and spiritual. They had been called by God to leave their home country and to travel to a new territory that God would eventually give to 
their descendants. However, they themselves never gained possession of that land as they wandered through the area as nomads for their entire lives. In fact, according to the letter of Hebrews, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So we see that Abraham and Sarah experienced a spiritual journey that was concurrent to their physical journey through the wilderness. Now, how did these journeys change them? What kind of outlook did God expect of them as they encountered these major turning points in their life? I think we can learn a very important lesson from their example, a lesson which has been confirmed in our own life journey. We must develop flexibility, <laughs> being ready to change course as you move along <clears throat> while trusting that God knows what he's doing. Flexibility means allowing God to navigate the uncertainties of life and resisting that natural urge to follow your own agenda. Abraham and Sarah faced numerous twists and turns in their wanderings, and sometimes they had to learn flexibility the hard way. For example, they had been promised by God to have their own son, who would in turn become the ancestor of a great nation. But as the years wore on and they were getting very old, God seemed to be taking his time about that promise. On one occasion, they tried to help God out a bit when Abraham fathered Ishmael through Sarah's slave, Hagar. But that didn't work out very well. God instead pulled off quite a miracle when Abraham, when Isaac was born to Sarah in their old age. We also read that on a later occasion, God told Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice and that Abraham started to obey, even though God's command made absolutely no sense at all. And again, God intervened and turned things around. Over time, Abraham and Sarah came to realize that it was better to trust God and to let him set the agenda. They learned to be flexible and adapt to God's way of doing things. And they found over and over again that God remained faithful throughout. In our own 40-year journey, Patty and I have often had to face this kind of learning to be flexible. One occasion especially stands out. Near the end of our first mission assignment in the country of Oman, we were glad for our five years of ministry there, but, well, we believed it was time to move on. I especially felt a call to a teaching ministry instead of the pastoral work I was doing that it would be a better fit for me to train local Christian leaders in pastoral work. Well, one day, a missionary colleague in Egypt wrote to us and told us about an opening in a Protestant seminary in Cairo. 
revisited there and felt sure that this was God's call to a significant new ministry. Ah, but once we got back to Oman and started planning for this transition, we heard nothing for many weeks until we finally heard that that seminary in Cairo had put a moratorium on getting new missionaries to help them out, instead trying to hire their own Egyptian faculty. We were really disappointed. How could we have misinterpreted God's call? Well, a couple weeks later, our American mission supervisor came to visit us in Oman. After patiently listening to our sad story, he told us of a similar teaching opportunity in the country of Sudan. We accepted their invitation instead and moved to a new context that, that led both Patty and me into new paths of ministry that have stayed with us for the rest of our careers. There were many other occasions when we had to learn to be flexible, when communications got mixed up, when visas got delayed, when housing didn't work out at first. Yet we look back and we can see how all along God was so faithful each step of the way. The journey of life can be challenging. God knows very well that it is not easy for us to navigate the complexities and uncertainties of life. He wants to be our guide, but he also wants us to trust him as our Heavenly Father. Friends, sometimes you just, just have to give up trying to set your own agenda or to steer things in the direction you think it should go. There are times when you must let go and let God. And in the process, God will help you to grow in your faith as you adapt to his will and recognize his faithfulness. And as you learn to go with God's agenda rather than your own, you will see how God will work in ways that you had never imagined before. Now let me share with you a bit more in pictures about how God has been faithful through the twists and turns of our own missionary journey thus far. And since the slides will be advanced on their own, I'll just step over here and you'll hear me as we go along. God's faithfulness through 40 years of missionary service. Okay. In our 40 years as missionaries with the RCA, the Reformed Church in America, Patty and I have lived and served in six different countries in the Middle East and Africa. Jordan, Oman, Sudan, Ethiopia, Kenya, and finally, the small country of Lebanon. After being commissioned by the RCA in 1982, our first stop was Birmingham, England, where we attended a three-month mission orientation program. At first, we thought that this was a strange location for such training, 
but we soon learn to appreciate the importance of recognizing subtle cultural differences even among English-speaking countries. Our next stop was the country of Jordan, where we immersed ourselves in a special program for missionaries to study the Arabic language and culture. Morning classes incorporated speaking, reading, and writing the challenging language of Arabic. During the afternoon, we would often go out visiting neighbors and local shopkeepers to practice speaking. This was often a humbling experience, <laughs> being willing to make mistakes and to learn from them. Our first mission assignment was the country of Oman, on the far eastern side of the Arabian Peninsula an Arab country that is almost completely Muslim. RCA has had a mission presence in Oman for over a century, and today its positive reputation has allowed the Protestant church in Oman to thrive, meeting the worship needs of thousands of foreign workers in the country. We entered Oman under the umbrella of this church. My role was to carry on a visitation ministry among our neighbors and shopkeepers in the nearby traditional marketplace. Sometimes I was able to share stories from the Arabic Bible with men who were receptive, such as this former leper. Patty was asked to help out with the Sunday school, and since she had no experience with that, well, she learned on the job. After five years in Oman, I was sensing to call a call to teach the Bible in an Arab context. As I shared in my sermon, we heard of an opportunity in Egypt, but were saddened when God closed that door. Instead, he opened a new door through an invitation to Sudan, a country that was completely off our radar. It's a mostly Muslim country in East Africa, one that incorporates the Arab culture and language. Our 10 years in Sudan were divided, divided between periods of teaching in two different schools, separated by a three-year study leave in the US. Most of our Sudan years were spent at Nile Theological College, a bachelor-level seminary which prepared Sudanese Christian leaders to become pastors and evangelists. I taught various Bible courses, but I also taught courses about Islam, since I realized that the students needed help to better understand their Muslim-majority context and to share their faith with Muslims in a loving manner. Patty was also very involved with this school, teaching practical subjects about how to live out our Christian faith. The college also asked me to serve as academic dean, but soon I was able to turn this over to a competent Sudanese colleague. And after eight years there, we were beginning to sense that our fellow Sudanese faculty would be able to continue this ministry without us. That's when a fresh invitation came unexpectedly from the neighboring country of Ethiopia. Most people there adhere to some form of Christianity, while about 40% are Muslims. In the capital city, Addis Ababa, the Makane Yesus Seminary asked the RCA to send us there 
so that I could establish and teach in a new bachelor-level program in Christian-Muslim relations that would prepare evangelists to share the gospel with Muslims in a faithful yet respectful manner. During this period, Patty utilized her talents in different ways, offering basic medical care at the seminary in the earlier years and volunteering at a local orphanage later on. We also had a ministry among children at another orphanage nearby, offering Bible stories, songs, and craft activities. I worked closely with Ethiopian colleagues, and after seven years there, I was able to turn over the Christian-Muslim Relations Program completely to them. They have since developed it by starting a specialized master's program at the seminary. This allowed us to respond to yet another invitation, this time in Kenya. The Muslim population in this country is only 10%, but a Christian institution called St. Paul's University had already started a master's program in Christian-Muslim relations to train church leaders from all over Africa. They asked me to fill in for a short time until their own Kenyan professors could take over. In addition to teaching classes, I also guided each student as they wrote a master's thesis about applying what they learned to their own specific context. Meanwhile, Patty was asked to coordinate a diploma in theology program that was being taught in several Bible schools across Kenya, but was supervised by the university. So she sometimes met with the principals from each school in order to agree on a common and beneficial curriculum. In 2012, St. Paul's University had their own Kenyan professors to take my place, and we wondered where we should go next. But a seminary in Lebanon heard about my expertise and asked me to fill a vacant position in the field of Islamic studies. Lebanon is a small country where Muslims and Christians are roughly equal in number. There, the Near East School of Theology provides training for Arab pastors serving in the Middle East. I, again, taught important courses on Islam and Christian-Muslim relations. But in Lebanon, it was much easier to invite Muslim scholars and clerics to my class so that they could share their perspective on their own faith. Patty also taught course, some, some courses in Bible survey, but her main contribution was the seminary library, assisting the staff in its normal activities and helping out with special projects. Since we lived at the seminary, which was housed in a large single building, we were able to join with students for activities in the cafeteria, in the chapel, or in the student lounge. But our ministry in Lebanon came to an end on graduation day this past June. As we are now retiring from 40 years of RCA Overseas Mission Service, we've had many twists and turns on our journey. We've had to learn to be flexible, but we can easily apply an adaptation of Deuteronomy to 
verse 7, to ourselves. The Lord our God has blessed us in all the work of our hands. He has watched over our journey through the Middle East and Africa. These 40 years, the Lord our God has been with us, and we have not lacked anything. And you folks have been a major part of that 40-year journey. And we can never thank you enough as we now finish our time with you, but we pass it on to our son David as the legacy continues.